one, two. Check, check, one, two. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to turn it down a little bit just in case I get loud at certain points. Um, all right, what's up, guys? This is The Knowledge Gap, a podcast where we talk about going from being the person you currently are to becoming the person you want to be. The space between those two is what I refer to as the knowledge gap, and we're going to talk about how to fill it. Not only how you can fill it, how I'm filling it, what I'm learning, what I'm doing, and what I'm implementing in my daily life to fill the gap. All right? That's the premise of this show. So to kickstart this first episode, I wanted to talk about what I'm currently doing for a personal goal of mine, which is to lose weight, lose fat, and build muscle. If you're watching the video version of this, hello, you can see I'm not in the best shape. You know what I mean? I'm not muscular by any means. I'm not lean by any means. But I do believe that I can <clears throat> um, have an attractive, lean, muscular physique. Like I have had it in the past. You know, if you know me, then you know that I used to weightlift. Um, I worked at a gym for two and a half years. Um, I competed in a weightlifting competition. Didn't do too well, but it was a good experience and I learned a lot. Um, I was about 10, 11% body fat at that time. And um, it was fun. And, you know, it gave me lifting experience and I made some great friends. But since that time, I have gone through different phases of my life where I just stopped lifting. Work took a priority. Um, career took a priority. Partying even took a priority. And so, you know, I, I dropped the ball a little bit. I stopped going to the gym. I stopped eating well. I stopped tracking my nutrition which is not necessary in my opinion, but the prioritization of your health and physique was just not in my mind. So as a result, my body, my muscle um, atrophied. Basically, I went back to being an average-looking, normal-ass guy, which is perfectly fine. But I'm at the point in my life where, you know, I've figured those things out. I've had some time to think about things and experience a little more life that I'm ready to go back and fix one of the most important pillars of life, which is your health. Okay. So that's a little background on me, um, where I'm at right now, what my focus is, my priority. And, um, I want to jump into how I plan on taking this concept of the knowledge gap <clears throat> and applying it to this podcast. Um, I'm positive that it will be valuable to you guys. I do not have any intentions of releasing an episode that is purely for my own selfish gain. I really want you guys to get something out of this. And so every episode will have concise aggregated information from all the sources that I've researched and read 
and delivered in a way that I think is digestible, usable, and actionable. So, with that being said, um, let me just check my cameras and everything, make sure we're still running, we're at five minutes, 73%, okay, we're good. So, um, the first thing I want to talk about is my personal goal. Because I am probably have an average body type right now, I have a goal of building muscle and losing fat at the same time. Generally, this is most people's goals, to have a body recomposition, to where you look good, and the next time somebody you haven't seen in a long time sees you, their reaction is, oh my God, you look like a completely different person. What did you do? That is basically the foundation of body recomposition, and I know for a fact it's possible. And so today I wanted to share some resources, um, information that I've gathered about how to go best about it, what I personally am doing to recomp, and um, things that I believe in, don't believe in. So, uh, first things first, my body measurements. I weighed myself this morning, and I weigh 204 pounds, which is pretty heavy for myself at least. I've never really weighed over 200 pounds since high school, back when I was overweight before I started over uh, before I started lifting and stuff. But I haven't weighed 200 pounds since that time. So I'm not upset about it. I'm positive that some of it has become, uh, I'm positive that some of it is muscle gain from the last couple weeks of working out that I've had and increased protein. Um, so I'm 204 pounds. Let me, let me go back. Let me backtrack a little bit, make this clear. So I'm 204 pounds. I'm 18.9% body fat. So let me, uh, give me a second. Let me pull up a calculator. Let me do the math. You guys can do this too. If, if you have like a body fat calculator at your gym, you can link up with a personal trainer and they can tell you your body fat percentage. So I weigh 204 pounds and I am, what did I say? 19% body fat. So times 0.19. So I get 38.76, right? So I subtract 38.76 from 204. And... I get 165.24. So that means that currently, my lean body mass, let me write that down, is 165.24, right? That was the math? Yeah, 165.24. Um, this is necessary because it's gonna tell me how much protein I need to consume on a daily basis in order to maintain muscle while uh, losing fat at the same time. More on this later, but I just want to give you a general idea. So my weight's 204, body fat percentage is about 19, and my lean body mass is 165. So what resources did I visit to gain the proper knowledge to actually approach this uh, endeavor? 
I didn't want to go into this with the same knowledge that I had before when I was powerlifting because, to be honest, I was gaining strength back then, deadlifting 405, 425, sorry, bench press 235, squat 395. So I was getting stronger, but my physique was still pretty subpar. I was just an average looking dude, to be honest. And so I wanted to approach this recomp with more proper information, uh, gathering insights from different people who have different experiences, different careers, uh, read different books, study different things, and take what I believe to be true and what I see and what I believe and apply what is applicable to my life. And so here are the four books that I've read so far. Book number one, which is kind of what started this whole thing that made me believe that body recomp is necessary and possible, is The 4-Hour Body by Tim Ferriss. Now, most of you are probably familiar with Tim's work. Popular author, done many, many things, The 4-Hour Workweek, 4-Hour Chef, has a great podcast, all that. Here are the main takeaways that I took from reading The 4-Hour Body a couple times over, okay? The main thing is that you don't necessarily need to track, okay? The idea of calories in, calories out is a false premise, and it's been proven over and over that just because you consume um, 3,000 calories doesn't mean you're going to gain X amount of fat because you're over your basal metabolic rate right? <clears throat> so the calorie myth is something that you don't need to believe in, which is why he does not believe in tracking calories. Um, another premise of his whole philosophy is to get 30 grams of protein within 30 minutes of waking. So you can have a protein shake if you are not an eater. Um, you can have a meal such as vegetables, lentils, and a couple of hard-boiled eggs, which is his typical breakfast. Um, just anything with 30 grams of protein within 30 minutes of waking up. And he explains it in depth why in the book, <clears throat> but because we have a lot of different topics that I want to talk about today, I won't go in depth into like the science or the studies that have been done on it, even though, you know, I don't really care about that so much because science can be wrong and science changes all the time. So 30 grams of protein within 30 minutes of waking. Okay, he says, generally you should eat the same three or four meals throughout the entire week. So for me, it's Wednesday through Monday, I'm eating the same foods, which is generally like a chipotle bowl with uh, lentils, black beans, shredded lettuce, onions, guacamole, and sometimes some cut-up steak. That's like my main go-to meal, but I'll also have like Amy's organic chili in a can. I'll have salads, you know, just straight up spinach and kale salads with occasionally quinoa, bell peppers, that kind of stuff. But he says, basically, you just need to get enough veggies, which is not as much as you think. Um... 
adequate protein from eggs, lentils, chicken, beef, 30 grams per meal. And he doesn't mention a number. So 30 grams per meal. And then he recommends one cheat day per week. So the one cheat day per week is one to keep you sane so that you can stick to the, the diet. And number two, it is so that some, something about upregulating hormones so that you don't fucking lose muscle or some shit like that. Not that important. You don't have to have a cheat day, but it's nice in my opinion, especially when I go out with friends or hang out with family. It just helps me out. Okay. Uh, we're at 13 minutes. I have to cut it at 15 and then record again because my camera is crazy and doesn't let me record past 15 minutes. So the second book that I read is a book called Eat More, Lose More by Jonathan Baylor. Um, the title just intrigued me on this one. I found it at, at a thrift store, actually, and I just thought it made sense because, I don't know, I had been restricting myself from calories in the past. I have experience with doing things of that nature and counting calories too hard and tracking macros. And this title just mm, caught my eye because it just, it felt right. Like, I don't know. I felt like there's no way we can, we have to be suppressing ourselves from food. There's no way that our ancestors did that or that that's healthy. So I read the book The premise is basically get nine to 10 servings of whole food veggies per day with adequate protein. Um, We have a set point in which our body always reverts back to. So if you do a crazy diet or a crazy exercise program in which you lose 20, 30 pounds, because you didn't change your nutrition and the food sources that you have, your set point is still up at that level prior to you doing the crazy exercise program. So let's say you weigh 180 pounds, right? You do the biggest loser or whatever, and then you lose 25 pounds. So you now weigh 155. Well, because it was uh because it was triggered and created by an intense exercise program and not by change of nutrition, you will rebound from 155 back to 180 because of what's called a set point and potentially even past 180 because now your body feels uh, restricted. It's been deprived of proper nutrients for a long period of time and your whole nervous system is fucked up and all that stuff. So the set point is a really, really big Uh, selling point in this book he talks about clearing up the clogs the hormonal clogs with veggies so that you can lower your set point basically saying if you weigh 180 pounds and you want to weigh say 160 right you can do that naturally while eating a lot of food feeling full and satiated by eating the right foods getting enough leafy greens whole food vegetables, proteins from animal proteins, right? No, none of this processed stuff. So he's saying lower the set point. You can eat as much as you want. Just choose the right foods, okay? So that's the premise of book number two. 
He doesn't specify like protein grams, numbers, timing, really. He just says, get it frequently, get enough servings of it, eat until you're full. Okay? So, we're going to pause the episode for just a second so that I can let the camera cool down. And then we're going to jump back into it. All right. Be right back. Okay, we're back. So we just talked about Eat More, Lose More by Jonathan Baylor. Uh, The next book that I read was Jeff Nippard's Ultimate Guide to Body Recomposition. Um, I just think he's... I think he's a well-educated guy who makes great content on YouTube. Um, it is kind of following a lot of the mainstream information in regards to protein and and bodybuilding and things of that nature. So I took it with a grain of salt, but I figured he does have a lot to offer. One, because of his experience. Two, because of his education. Three, because of his results, right? And so I'll never discredit somebody for those things because those are not easy achievements. So, um, the first thing that I noticed about the book is that there is a really big focus on protein and understandably, I understand that the science talks a lot about protein for maintaining muscle mass and fat loss and satiation, satiety, whatever, and all that. So he shows some studies and science about it and cases of people losing fat and all that about protein and his recommendation is um, between 1.2 grams and 1.6 grams of protein per pound of lean body mass so this is why i did my body measurements at the beginning of this episode was so that when we got to this part it would make sense so for me, as what I would consider a in-between beginner to immediate weight, intermediate weightlifter at this point in my life, I would be on the lower end of his scale. So 1.2 grams of protein per pound of lean body mass. So earlier I said that my lean body mass was 165.24, correct? So if I multiplied that times 1.2, I get 198. So with his book, he's recommending that I get 198 grams of protein in order to maintain or build muscle mass while losing fat. Now, the caveat is that he makes a really good point about weightlifting and resistance training being the driver of recomposition. Even with the most perfect diet, Without proper training, effort, and muscular stimulation, there will be no body recomposition, right? You have to uh, trigger enough of a muscle growth response in order for your body to actually utilize all this protein and all the food. So that was a point that I really, really agreed with and enjoyed how he laid out. Um, The second point that he talks about is tracking your macronutrients, which... Because of my history and because I've done it in the past and these other resources that I've read about not needing to track it, I just simply didn't think that it would be necessary. So I've decided to bypass tracking macronutrients except 
on certain occasions where I feel that I have not consumed above 120 grams of protein. Like I'm not precise with it, but I feel like if I've had mostly veggies or carbs in an entire day, then I will track it on my fitness pal just to see kind of generally where I am with protein. <coughs> and then lastly, he talks about body recomposition being high protein and being in a caloric deficit. So he states that you need to know what your body's maintenance calories are. For me, that's about 2,500. And then just being slightly under that in calories while maintaining high protein so that you can keep the muscle or build muscle while losing fat. Because in his eyes, a deficit equals fat loss. So that's the premise of this book. I found it pretty useful in terms of like using resistance training as the driver to recomp and the importance of protein, right? That's pretty much the whole book. Um, pretty nice, but I also felt like, you know, it was definitely not everything that I needed. It wasn't the whole picture. And the final book that I read probably a couple of weeks ago, sorry, not a couple of weeks ago, probably a month ago, um, was a title that I thought was very intriguing. And I just decided to read it because I was searching for a new way of exercising. Like I had gotten pretty bored of the standard bench press, dumbbell press, barbell row type of thing. And I just wanted to, I wanted to try something new and more fun. And so I came across this book titled Weightlifting is a Waste of Time by Dr. John Jaquish. Jackish? I don't know how to say his name. I, every time I read it, I want to say Jaquish. Anyways, he is the creator of OsteoStrong, which is a machine that's used in hospitals to help people with osteoporosis strengthen their bones. It's been sold worldwide. He's now partnered with Tony Robbins, which I had no idea about until I read the book. And he explains this concept of uh, variable resistance, which I found very fascinating because I had always struggled with one area of muscular engagement, which was my chest muscles. I always felt like I could never really engage my chest, right? And this concept of variable resistance is that our muscles can engage different amounts of force at different parts in the range of motion. So for example, if you're doing a bench press, at the top of the lift, when you're about to go unrack the bar, that is the most extended position your arms can be in, correct? Yes. He's saying that is the strongest position of your chest muscles. So you can lift a lot of weight at that point. However, as you lower the bar and bring it down to your chest, the amount of muscular engagement and the amount of strength that you have in that position is less than the amount of strength than you have at the top of the position. So when you're choosing weights on a barbell, you're basically choosing a weight that you can press from the bottom. Meaning, by the time you press it all the way to the top, you're not engaging the most muscle because you're lifting a weight that's lower 
than that muscle's potential, right? So because we don't want to injure ourselves down here, we choose a lighter weight that's super easy for the muscles at this point. So variable resistance is about changing the weight as you push through the exercise. At the bottom, there's less resistance, so you're able to engage the muscles. And as you go through the movement, the, the resistance increases, therefore increasing muscular resistance and the need to grow. So when I read this, my God, it just made a lot of sense. And I'm not a big science guy, like I said, but this part just made a lot of sense to me where if the, the weight changes as we do an exercise, then we can engage more musculature. So that made a lot of sense and it got me thinking, okay, well, if that's the case, how do you do it? How do you even change weight as you go? Like you would need some type of crazy technology that changes the dumbbell weight as you lift it, right? Like dumbbell 20 pounds here and as you curl up, it goes up to 30. I was like, how? How do you even get this? And so the book talks about his own personal system called the X3 and he goes in depth into how he created it, the science behind it, the process, the testing and testimonials and stuff, which kind of made the book feel like a whole sales pitch for his product. But because I believed in the concept of variable resistance, I decided to try the product. And after two weeks of trying this, I can confidently tell you that the concept works. This is why powerlifters, the best powerlifters in, say, Russia, um, use bands when they powerlift. They attach bands to the bottom of the barbell and they push so that the resistance increases as they push. And that's why the Russians are some of the strongest people in the sport of powerlifting. And so the concept is not new, but the applications of it have been limited. It's only been resistance bands connected to barbells right? His system, the X3 system, is a new at-home system, which includes a barbell, but it also includes four different types of resistance bands that changes uh, the girth and the thickness so that you can increase resistance as you grow stronger. So here, let me try and show it to the, the video peeps real fast. I haven't worked out yet today, so I'm about to do this right after I record this. But this is what the bar looks like. It's a standard barbell. It's really sturdy. It has these hooks on the side so that you can attach your resistance bands really easily, right? Not like that Amazon shit. If you look up resistance band training X3 on Amazon, they'll give you like some cheap China alternative. And it doesn't have these hooks, which is like one of the most important parts. It has carabiners, which is not convenient. So you change the length of it. You do different exercises. You could do deadlifts, barbell rows, yada, yada. But the thing is, basically the intent is that you can engage at different strengths, at different points in the, the exercise. That was not an exercise that I just showed you, by the way. I was pulling... The thing back like a bow and arrow, that is not a recommended exercise. I was just using it to prove a point. The variable resistance was like a game changer to me in terms of mental game. Like 
the reason he started this endeavor and even wrote the book was because most people who go to a gym, they don't see results. And a lot of times we want to blame people. We want to say, well, they're lazy. Well, they're not trying hard enough. Well, they're not focused. They lack the proper information. But we hardly ever question the actual system. Maybe the reason that 90% of people don't see results is because the actual system is faulty and it's not designed for the most optimal results. So he really, he questioned this and he deep dove into it. And although I didn't like the fact that the book felt like a big ass sales pitch for his product, the concept made sense to me. All of it did. And so, you know, I've had it for two weeks now and I really like it. And I will keep you guys updated on it. Like, I don't have any intention of selling it, but I want to be transparent here. And the transparent truth is that I purchased the system and I really like it. So that's that. All right. In the four hour body, Tim mentions the uh, minimum effective dose, which for him was 80 seconds, time under tension, one set to failure, go home, two exercises per workout. Eat more, lose more. Jonathan Baylor was recommending eccentric exercises. So you push a weight with both your hands, for example, and then you lower it with one hand so that you can do more weight than you typically would. Time under tension, pretty much. Now, weightlifting is a waste of time by Dr. Jaquish. Talked about this as well, where it was basically... You need to trigger a hormonal response, which resistance bands do, because you're able to engage more muscle at different resistances with more force. So you trigger the hormonal response in 10 minutes a day, right? So I really, I loved the fact that the concepts from all three books lined up, and so it just made it make more sense in my brain, okay? So that's the premise of the weightlifting is a waste of time book, why I believed in it, why I purchased it, and why I'm using it. Let me just pull up my notes real fast. Talk about my final plan. This is the aggregated plan that I came up with after reading all these books, amassing the knowledge that I felt was necessary and adequate for pursuing my goals, and then subtracting what I felt was unnecessary. So, here it is. First part of my plan, because resistance training is the driver of body recomposition, is to do an X3 workout every other day. Instead of every day, like Dr. Jaquish recommends, I'm doing it every other day because the information in the four-hour body and eat more, lose more recommends increasing rest time between workouts if you're going to failure just so that your body can actually build all the muscle it possibly can before you go back to breaking it down. So I'm doing one X3 workout every other day. Secondly, I'm getting one gram of protein per pound of lean body mass instead of 1.2 grams per pound of lean body mass, as recommended by Jeff Nippard. So, I don't believe that I need 198 grams of protein. It seems a bit excessive to me, so I toned it down just a little bit to one gram per pound of lean mass, and I'm not really tracking it either. I did it for a week, 
I have a general idea of how much I need to consume in high-protein foods to reach about 160 grams of protein. And then I just kind of eyeball it every day, and I usually get really close. So my plan is to do that for the next couple of weeks so that I reach one month and determine if I need to increase my protein because I'm not seeing enough gains, right? I think that would be the variable to address if in the next two weeks I don't see mm, rapid fat loss or significant muscle gain, right? That would be one of the first ones that I would address to go from 160 grams of protein to 185. So the next is to consume lots of veggies, tons of beans, and lentils for protein and lowering my set point. So this step is a combination of Jonathan Baylor's philosophy of consuming tons of veggies and whole foods and Jeff Nifford's philosophy of high protein, right? So I've pretty much compromised and found a middle, middle ground between the two books. And basically that means consume more veggies via stir fry, fresh whole foods, and using beans and lentils and pea protein for my protein sources. So that's how I plan on doing it. Occasionally I'll have steaks and chicken, but that's not my primary source. Next, something that I just like to have for breakfast because I'm not a big eater in the morning and I just do like getting all my nutrition and glucose in the morning so I have energy to pursue my day is to make a smoothie with bananas, spinach, spirulina, dulce flakes, barley grass juice powder, wild blueberries, and organ vegan protein. 30 grams in the morning. The next thing I do is I will allow myself one cheat day per week on Tuesdays. That's the day that I go and I visit my parents. So my mom cooks food. Sometimes we go out, we get sushi, we get steaks, we get ribs, we go, you know, do things. And I don't want to have to worry about getting the best nutrition possible. So I put my cheat days on a day where I will have activities and free time. The supplements I'll be taking are B12, ashwagandha, magnesium, zinc, and a daily multivitamin. I'll be recording my weight and fat percentage two times a week. For me, that's Sunday and Thursday. Just because I want to get an average between the two days, but I don't want to obsess over weight and body fat percentage as it can fluctuate frequently. But over time, as long as the trending number between weekly averages is going down, I'll be happy with results in that sense. So I track twice a week. I don't obsess over it. Done. Uh, sleep. Seven hours a night of sleep, if possible, between the hours of 10 and 2. I know how powerful those times are, so 10 p.m. to 2 p.m. As long as I'm in bed, even if I'm not asleep, I know I'm getting the most healing. Um, if I can't for some reason sleep between 10 p.m. and 2 p.m., which is a pretty common occurrence for me, like as much as I try, I usually end up staying up later. I have to make sure that I'm in bed still between 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. As long as I'm sleeping in those hours of 10 to 2, 
I know that I'm getting rejuvenation for my body. I just feel better anytime I do that and a minimum of seven hours. And last but not least, which is a part of my plan, is to not be afraid of fruit. All of these books create something that's called a fruit fear. They recommend you don't eat fruits. They make claims that fruit isn't necessary, that our ancestors didn't eat fruits every day, but there should be no fear about it. Fruits fuel our brains and our bodies with all the energy necessary. Same with all clean carbohydrates, veggies, leafy greens, squashes, apples, all that stuff. So, so powerful. And I don't want anybody to be swayed by these books that they should be afraid of fruit because fruit is a whole food and it will support your brain, your heart, and your liver more than any of these other concepts can. So I use that as a foundation for my health and then use these other ones to change my physique, right? Because my prioritization is to feel good, be healthy and happy, have energy, and then it's to have a nice physique. So do not be afraid of fruit. Consume as much of it as you want. Just separate it from fats, okay? Do not consume fruits with chicken, for example. That's going to start creating problems. So if you have fruit, have fruit, but have it by itself. Then wait, then you can have your animal protein stuff, right? If you want to learn more about why I believe in this, read the Medical Medium series by Anthony William. Phenomenal. Absolutely just life-changing information, seriously. But that's, that's the premise. That's the aggregated plan that I've derived from reading all these books, right? And now I have a plan moving forward. This is week two of implementing this plan here let me stand up real quick let me show y'all my body my regular ass normal guy body all right so look this is how it look right nothing crazy i'm not like obese but i'm also not in the best shape i possibly can be right look that's me flexing my whole ass bicep it's nothing my next bicep, nothing. Tricep, doing okay. Tricep, doing okay. But, you know, it's nothing, nothing crazy. So, I want to get back into it. I want to get my body right. And I have a plan moving forward. So, I hope you guys found some of this valuable. I hope you can take away things that are applicable to your certain part of life, your particular part of life right now. I hope maybe my plan can provide some direction to what you can do. And based on what you believe, you can take what works for you. So that's it. That's, this is the entire first episode of The Knowledge Gap. I really appreciate you guys listening. If you've made it all the way through, please leave me a review, a comment. Just show some love. Let's get talking. Let's see what you disagree on, what you agree on, what you're doing, what your plans are, what your struggles have been with weight loss. And let's talk about it, man. Let's start a conversation. I want to build a community around this shit. I want to talk about the, the knowledge gap in other aspects of life, not just fitness, but I'm talking about relationships, spirituality, finance. How do we improve 
in every aspect we possibly can. How do we be the best version of ourselves possible? And to me, that's by filling that knowledge gap. If you can go from where you are to where you want to be by learning the proper information and then applying the information, then you could be the best version of you imaginable. All right, that's it for today's episode. Thank you guys for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.